This is The Authentic Professional. Real discussions with real people who work real jobs and live real lives. The Authentic Professional is hosted by Jacinta Gallant, a collaborative lawyer, mediator, and conflict trainer who decided to bring more of who she is to what she does. I'm Jacinta Gallant, and with me, as always, is my co-producer, Taylor Smiley, who also happens to be an associate at Waterstone Law Group and the Legal and Creative Content Director of Innovation for Lawyers. So a lot of titles after your name. Yeah, it's all a bit much, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And you only became a lawyer in April. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. And you're my daughter. Oh, yes. Well, that's the most important title. Hello, daughter. Hello, mother. It's interesting, the person that we're going to interview today is Greg Evans, and when I first met him, we ended up spending a lot of time talking about our kids. Aww. Yeah, and some similarities in both the way our kids are in the world, but also just in the way we parent. You can tell from the interview with Greg that he's someone who cares deeply about a lot of things. Totally. What I like as well is his innovative approach to practicing law. He has seven lawyers in his firm, and they're all trained to be dispute resolution professionals and to work in collaborative practice. Very cool. So what did you think of the interview? I thought it was great. Greg had a lot of quotes that I wrote down while I was listening to it. Um, I really liked that he said, I used to be interesting. Now I'm a lawyer. (laughs) Which sometimes I feel to ring very true. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He also said that the more authentic I am, the more effective I am with clients and in life, which I thought was very, I don't know, it just, it really hit a chord with me. Yeah, I also think that those are two lessons in how to not have a boring life. Yeah, he definitely doesn't have a boring life. Yeah. So I initially asked Greg to be on the podcast to talk about, you know, the music you can or can't play at the office. And so I'm calling this the office playlist. We recorded it in February, though, and then everything went crazy, at least in our part of the world, in March. Yeah. So we held off releasing this podcast because we didn't want to be talking about, you know, fun times at the office when most of us were forced to work from home unless we were the courageous, essential workers who had to get, you know, stay out there. Yeah. And so we're releasing it now because there are parts of the world, and in particular, you know, many parts of Canada that are opening up responsibly and, and, you know, with certain measures around safety. But we are, many of us, back at the office. Yeah. And thinking about office playlists. Yeah. And so you and I and your little brother and my husband, your father, got together for dinner before we recorded this playlist and made a list of songs. We thought, well, there were two columns. One, you could play at the office. And there was a longer a longer list of what you couldn't play at the office. So Greg and I tried to kind of approach it in that way, but I'm afraid there were still more songs that you probably couldn't play in our kind of office than there were that you could. Definitely. And I'd like to point out that you took absolutely none of Sam and I's suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a generational thing to the to the song choices. But they're all good. Like a lot of those, I grew up with you playing around the house, but you probably weren't playing them in the office. Right. 
one of the things that's difficult with choosing music to play in the office is not not only the the lyrics but the but the tone and feeling of a song right and so i even found that I was looking at songs that I felt had a really positive vibe or a good feeling and then realizing if you listen to the lyrics, you know, not so much. Yeah, that happens a lot with songs. And especially like if you're going through a hard time or you're feeling down and you're in the car driving and listening to the radio, you can make almost any song fit your situation if you try hard enough. Oh, yeah, that, that's <laughs> yeah. actually a good exercise, listeners. So with the with the examples that we give in this podcast, we would love to hear what other people think about the challenges but also the joys of creating an office playlist and we're still working on it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you know you know life is a highway and we're on it and we're doing the best we can oh god <laughs> <laughs> i didn't choose life as a highway yeah, i know <laughs> <laughs> but we hope that listeners will enjoy the choices the selections but also the conversation with greg yeah he's a really cool guy and his song sides right Wait for it. At the end of the podcast, you'll hear a song that Greg wrote called Sides, which was inspired by an experience someone he cared about had had as a child going through her parents' divorce. So given that a lot of the people that we've been interviewing on this podcast are people who work in the field that we do, that is helping families go through separation and, and deal with divorce... Um, I think that our listeners will find that it's it's poignant and very, very, very true. So listen in. So on today's podcast, I want to introduce you to Greg Evans. Well, he's a lawyer, a mediator, an arbitrator. He actually is like an expert sign language communicator. And in his creative outlet, he plays in a band. I can't think of anything more authentic than that. And I just want to say thanks, Greg Evans from Winnipeg, Manitoba, for joining me today. Thank you very much, Jessica. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, you and I met many years ago, and I think one of the first things we bonded over was our love of music. Absolutely. Uh, I remember, still remember that workshop where you came. I can't remember what the song was, but uh, you started a workshop with a song and bounced around at the at the front of the behind the dance anyways and edit uh I thought, yeah, there's there's a there's a woman after my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember us chatting after that workshop too about about songs and music and and how it brings joy and sorrow. And so in deciding to invite you to this podcast, I really was hoping that we could cover off a really some really dangerous territory. And that would be the office playlist. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't, um, I have a seven lawyer firm in Winnipeg and we have uh, a wide variety of musical tastes. And so uh, coming to any sort of agreement on a playlist is, is going to be a challenge because we've let everything from uh, Madonna to Metallica. So, uh, <laughs> and, and every once in a while I'll, I'll have a client who wishes we played some soft Brahms uh, in the, the waiting room so that he could uh, silently grieve. But I'm not, uh, because our my support staff are in our waiting area. Um, they get to choose the music that they, that they want to listen to. And it can be quite eclectic. Well, that's one way to solve the problem of making those choices, because the front office staff spend the day with the music. But I'm going to be honest with you. We've tried many ways to figure out songs that won't set people to being uncomfortable. For instance, 
I thought, you know, cerebrellus must be a pretty easy ask, but listen to this. Say you're sorry, won't you please? Say you're sorry. <laughs> so, like, I, I, I had her on a loop, and then suddenly I've got a client sitting in the office, and, and really the, the instruction from cerebrellus' song is, say you're sorry, which many of our clients are asking, uh, <laughs> asking for. So before we get into it, I, I just want to talk a little bit about you and your path to becoming a lawyer. Sure. And sort of was it a was it a was it a side hustle or was is is being in a band the side hustle? Well, it's interesting because um, I, I started playing in bands when I was sixteen, and um, I um, I ended up leaving music because I well I, I probably it was a premonition. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, most people who know me know that that uh, I had been going into rehab uh, by the time I was thirty, and so. I think if I'd stayed on the road in a band, I would be, I would be dead right now. Um, but it was um, the lifestyle was clearly a lifestyle that was uh, too attractive for me. Way too much downtime, way too much um, opportunities to to do stuff that I didn't need to be doing. Um, then came back to the the playing in bands while um, after I became a lawyer. So once once I I played in, uh, actually in law school as well. So law is the second career for me. My first career, I was uh, an American Sign Language interpreter and trained American Sign Language uh, interpreters and then also uh, worked in a college program for deaf adults. And so talk about a strange duality. So you're working in a world where, where music is not not a very high priority in the deaf community, while at the same time uh, playing every day, which I have since probably I was 12 years old. And so... It wasn't something that was front and center. It's become certainly a lot more front and center over the last uh, decade when I got more serious with the band that uh, uh, a band that I've played in with two of my nephews and two of my nieces. That's called Say Uncle. Oh, hey, I want to I want to come back to that. But isn't it two nephews, two nieces and and an illegitimate drummer? Yeah, there's actually an illegitimate drummer and an illegitimate saxophone player now. Uh, but Myron Martins and and uh, Jesse Thomas are not related to me, uh, so they have to pay for their own gear. All right, well, that sounds fair. But we'll talk more about your band, Say Uncle. I love the name. I love the music. It's, it's lots of fun. But I'm not going to let you off the hook about law school. What the yep. heck led you to law school, and, and, and how did it change you? Well, i got to say, um, I kind of hit, as I peaked in terms of what I could do with um, both in the interpreting world and with respect to working with uh, deaf adults in Winnipeg. And either we were going to, to move, and, and at the time we considered moving to Edmonton, which offered more opportunities. At that time, uh, we decided not to do that. And so I uh, decided to go back to law school and Charlotte, my uh, Charlotte, my spouse, and she decided to do her PhD. Charlotte's dad is a is a judge, and so he offered uh, the way he looked at the law was was quite intriguing to me, and the way that that he talked about the law and, and he was a, a did primarily uh, criminal cases, which is funny because I did virtually no criminal work in my in my career, but it was um, it was another challenge, it was another opportunity, and like I said, I got as far as I could go in Winnipeg with the interpreting and with uh, working with the deaf community. And uh, mostly the work was freelance uh, for me at that point in time. And, and with the young family, freelance work meant evenings and, and mornings and afternoons. And you just worked when you could. It's not unlike the law, you eat what you kill. Mm-hmm. But uh, the lifestyle, I needed something that was a little bit more um, more stable. And also was quite excited about the challenge. So when you ask about how, 
how did law school change me? I always say, you know, I, I used to be, I used to be interesting, but now I'm a lawyer. Um, <laughs> I, I think law school and, and being a lawyer has taught me more about be, about who I am than probably anything else. And as you know, the, the area of law that we choose to practice makes you look inwards. And, and it was, uh, it came, I went into law school a couple of years after I'd come out of rehab. So I was clean and sober and continued to be clean and sober to, to, to this day. But it allowed me to practice a profession, but also to do some of that deep work and, and to um, empathize with people in a way that maybe some other occupations or other professions might not have been able to allow me to do. I wonder if that experience at law school was the way it was for you because you were mature and you had gone through, you know, let's call it a very significant personal growth stage in rehab. Because a lot of the people that we talk to about law school talk about how much they either hated it or they found it very disorienting and they didn't feel like their values were really expressed in the way they were learning or what they were learning. And so I I am curious about how that was for you. Yeah, you know... Just since uh, I um I never had aspirations growing up of being a lawyer. That was something that so so I wouldn't have been on the list of things as a child that you wanted to be. I wanted to be a rock and roll star, right? And, <laughs> and so so if you had told me that at eighteen, you know, I'd be doing what I do now, I would have laughed in your face. Um, <laughs> I found being an older student, and and I wasn't that old. I was in my early thirties. But being an older student, one of the things that I was struck by was how uh, easily I was accepted by the other law students. And they clearly could not do math because I had an eight-year-old, and they all thought I was their age. <laughs> um, so that was interesting. But the other piece, I think, when you talk about values, and and I come from a decidedly blue-collar family, and so I don't. We don't have a. a tradition in our family of white collar professionals. In fact, I think I'm one of the few people in my extended family that has a university degree. And so for me, it was, um, I never worried about practicing law because I knew I could go out and get a job. So, so for me, it wasn't, it wasn't the same thing as being, as having it bred in the bone, right? I wasn't like some of the students who had, who had come through, you know, the, the paths, their parents were lawyers or, or their parents were white collar professionals and, and law was what they were going to do from a very early age. And so, so that, so that was a bit different for me. So I can't say that, that I shared the same sets of values with all of the students, but I shared values with enough of the students that I was able to create a community that, that, that supported and nurtured me through law school. Yeah, that's, that's nice to hear. And so when, this is a question I like to ask lawyers. You're in a social setting and people don't know what you do for a living. And let's just say they don't know you're in a band. If someone says, right. hey, hey, what do you do? And they mean, what do you do for a living? How do you answer? I, I, I do say um, I'm a lawyer, yeah. And I usually say I'm a family lawyer and I like it. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you always get that follow-up. <laughs> you do. I mean, it's. I find that I haven't yet met a lawyer who can say I'm a lawyer without adding some modifying clause to it. Like something right. about, but I'm nice or, or but I'm normal or, or and I like it. Um, yeah, so so that that's great. I mean, yeah, I love hearing about the history of of the paths that people took to become uh, who they are in their profession. Because this whole podcast is about well, bringing more of you to what you do, uh, being authentic, right. and and certainly, I think you and I have both learned that when working with clients who are struggling with not just a legal issue or dispute, there's huge emotional, practical, and financial implications to the decisions they make. I have found that the more I am, you know, me, uh, the more 
effective I am with people. I, I could not could not agree with you more, Jacinta. And I and I uh, very early I you know I remember early in my career being told that that I should never apologize, and and I found that such an odd thing um, because accountability for me is really important with my clients, and and so I completely ignored that advice. Uh, because because I I I think um, there's the public perception of us, uh, which I think is in and and there's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of attributes and values that are sort of projected upon us that really have no basis. And and so it is interesting for me because I do have clients who know I play in a band, and and I, I have the odd client who goes, well, how can you do that? How can you be a lawyer and play in a band? <laughs> And, and I always find that a little bit weird, you know, like, well, how can you be, uh, you know, a, a university professor and cook, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, well, that's interesting. At least you didn't get, you can't be a mother. You're, <laughs> you're going to be a lawyer. I got that in law school from someone who said, you can't be a mother. You're going to be a lawyer. And I thought, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize, they didn't put that in the contract. But even to know that the, that's so fueled by stereotypes. And I also think that. The stereotype and perhaps the the public persona of lawyers can come across with a bit of arrogance or at least a sense that people are intimidated by just the label and the profession. It's why oh, I sometimes no don't question. tell people I'm lawyers because I'm a lot as it is. And if I add the label to it, then people who don't already yeah. know me can think that I'm they can put a lot of uh, attributes to me that I don't necessarily think are are real. Yeah. And I and I. And, it, it, you know, it's an interesting dilemma because uh, Charlotte's a professor of education. And, and when people ask her what she does, she says, I work at the university. And I, and I wish I could be more like that, you know, in the sense of, um, <laughs> but there isn't, a, there isn't another phrase like that, right? You know, yeah. uh, I, I work at a law firm, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't quite, because that begs the next question, right? Yes. You know, and, and so it, but it is, it, it is, um, I've always been distrustful of lawyers who say, well, I'm one way at work, but I'm another way in my personal life. And, and I, I don't, distrustful may be too harsh, but I, I have always thought that it was really important that I was consistent in terms of, of who I was when I put on my suit and when I was wearing my sweatpants, right? Yeah. Um, and I think you captured that really well when you said, you know, that I think that makes me more effective as a lawyer. Yeah, and I think that the the challenges in our profession that are reflected in increasingly uh, difficult, challenging mental health challenges, addictions. I mean, my daughter's first day of law school, the first, the first year law school class was brought together to say many things, but including um, that, yeah, lawyers had just reached the top of the chart for the profession with the, mo with the highest suicide rate. And yeah. I've said this yeah. before on other podcasts because we've mostly been talking to lawyers, but the fact is... Um, we're a healing profession that needs to be healed. Well, yeah, we just had a, a family lawyer in our community commit suicide about three weeks ago, and and uh, it's pretty stark. Um, that and, and one of the things that I do know about the profession as a whole is, and one of the things we, I, Charlotte and I have been able to avoid is there are so many people who ramp up their lifestyle because they can, and yeah. then they end up hating what they do because all they're doing, they're doing what they do because they need to pay the bills and there's nothing else that they can do that can pay the bills in the same way. Yeah, I've been really fortunate in the sense that Charlotte keeps me really grounded in that regards. Other than a ridiculous guitar collection, we, we, <laughs> we, we, we've kept our, our lifestyle at a level where I can, and any day I can stop doing what I do and walk away from it. 
Yeah. Because you have to want to do this, right? Well, it's it's a better life if you want to do it. And I think that that's the challenge, isn't it? And we're, you know, certainly with this particular podcast, I'm hoping that there will be a chance to inspire lawyers who are feeling disengaged, unhappy, or haven't helped us, you know, suicidal, just to think that there are many different ways to practice law, and it doesn't always have to be uh, with the conventional firm. And at the same time, if working in a conventional firm floats your boat, then do it, because totally. there's important work that totally. can be done. So, Totally, yeah. But the thing with, if you have your own firm or a small firm, you have way more choice as to the office playlist. So let's get to that. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I struggled to find songs that we could play at our office without it being something that could upset our clients, because most of our clients are going through a difficult time. So we have right. we've still not settled on it. Let's let's talk about it both in terms of trying to get the kind of atmosphere and feeling that you might want from music, while at the same time respecting that in a professional environment with clients going through a tough time, yeah, it's you know it's kind of it's it's not as easy. What were some of your picks, either for well, or against? You know, I think a song like like there's a there's sometimes a melancholy song is it just fits the mood, right? And so one of the songs that 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 I think is is just an, an extraordinarily beautiful song. It isn't on the nose in the fact that it's about a relationship breakdown is Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. It's just a, a really pretty song with really evocative lyrics, but is really about the breakup of a relationship. I took my love took it down I climbed a mountain and I turned around and I saw my reflection in snow-covered hills Till the landslide brought me down The lyrics also talk, it's a transition. Like, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a changing of life that I yeah. think can be interpreted uh, in a really positive way, too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Dixie Chicks redid that song, so even younger people might have heard that version. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good one for the list. How about what's, what's your first foray into the list? You know what? I've been through this a lot, and I decided that this song gives me something to smile about. All the times that you're it's Bieber. So if you keep going on this song... The best line's coming up, and I just think that it can make people smile. And I didn't want to write a song, because I didn't want anyone thinking I still care or don't, but you still hit my It's a breakup song, but the line's coming up. I think it should be something I don't want to hold back. Maybe you should know that my mama don't like you, and she likes everyone. I mean, how cutting is that? Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I'm thinking, even though it's a breakup song, it's got a nice beat, it's lifting, and apparently you're allowed to like Justin Bieber now, so it's even... Well, I, w I don't know if I could... My kids might not say I can say that it's cool, but, I mean, he's he's okay. Yeah. Yeah, you cross that line. Yeah. yeah. So I actually think that one makes the cut. Uh, very nice. Yeah. I um, You know how infrequently you come across couples who are able to, to, to summon the courage to say, you know, we just simply gave it the best 
we could and and we just couldn't make it happen um so so i it's an old song but it's a good song it's by dave mason it's called you know we just disagree that's that that for me is is kind of the you know that that level of self-awareness and the um ability to stay away from blame and to stay away from needing a reason for for the breakup of the relationship other than it just didn't work yeah lovely song (laughs) Haven't seen you in a while How've you been? Have you changed your style? And do you think That we've grown up differently? Don't seem the same Seems you've lost your feel for me So let's leave it alone Cause we can't see eye to eye There ain't no good guy There ain't no bad guy There's only you and me And we just disagree All right, so that's two yeses. What's your no? Uh, 50 ways to leave your lover. Oh, but the, but the, <laughs> but honestly, that one has such great rhythm and everything about it is uh, inspiring, but it's definitely hard to think about it happening. Yeah, no question. And you? Well, okay, I'm going to play this one. You've asked me a song for a song that I think we can't play, even though it's so wonderful. And when I thought about it, I was inspired by Randy Backman's Vinyl Tap on Sunday nights on CBC, and sometimes there was a show that he did that was like, He Said, She Said, so right. two versions yes, of the I... same songs. So the one version that I would play first is by Lake Street Dive. Yes. And the second one would be the Jackson 5 that people can recognize. And right. it's, of course, I Want You Back. Right. And so when the Jackson 5 sings it, it's fun. I think people would be like, maybe not moved to tears by it. But if you right. listen to the lyrics and... I mean, many people don't hear lyrics anyway. Uh, it is about, I want you back. Come on, give me one more chance. And when you listen to the Lake Street Drive version of it, it is so cool and jazzy right. that you really pay attention to the lyrics. When I had you to myself I didn't want you around Those pretty faces always made you stand out in the crowd But someone picked you from the bunch One glance was all it took Now it's much too late for me to take
So I've got one that's actually a Prince song that was popularized by Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You. Oh, yeah. Which is an interesting song because apparently it was written about Prince's gardener. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, 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 and if you, if, if you look at the lyric, it does talk about gardening. Wow. <laughs> so, but but it's such a, and if you remember that, that video was such a mm-hmm. stark and, and brilliant video. Uh, but it is, uh, it is again, one of those wallowing in my self-pity songs that uh, hits the mark on all fronts. It's been seven hours and that i mean i'm a prince fan so on my yes is little red corvette i mean oh oh awesome you can't help but just start to smile with that song yeah that's actually my favorite prince song (laughs) yeah i saw prince when i was 18 and going to school in st paul uh minneapolis and i saw him in a bar no way scary (laughs) yeah it was scary i guess i should know by the way you popped your car sideways from Minneapolis because if you spend any time there you'll realize that it's a really cool city around music it is yeah it is a there are so many bands that come out of Minneapolis uh, all different genres and so if, if you're a Roots fan the Jayhawks came out of um, you know there was just so many bands uh, during the, the new wave movement there were you know I guess not really new wave but Husker Du came out of there uh, the, the replacements came out of there it was it's a really vibrant music community well, it's interesting. You Now we're talking about a city. And I mean, Winnipeg's got its share of great musicians and bands. We do. We Primarily because of our isolation. We have a complete DIY sort of... Um, and often we get overlooked because it's just too expensive to, to tour to Winnipeg because it's we're right in the middle of nowhere. So uh, we have a very, very strong music community. 
very supportive of the music community too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're going to wrap this up. What else have you got? And I'll talk about mine. Well, I've got um, a, a, a song that, that uh, an old jazz standard that my favorite version is by Dr. John and Ricky Lee Jones. Under the bride, under the groom, under the sunny honeymoon, under the season, and that's the reason for making whoopee. called Making Whoopee, which had the the classic line, it's cheaper to keep her. Is that where that line came from? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know that. Yep. And, and it's, that's cool. And of course, it makes me think of Chucky's In Love. I mean, yes. I love that song. So most yes. people don't know that song. Okay, I've got one by Prince Edward Island singer, Rose Cousins, and she just put it out. It's called The Benefits of Being Alone. And if you if you see Rose... In concert, she'll often talk about how melancholy and, and really depressing she can be sometimes. So this one's got some nice pep to it, and it's got a great little message about the upside of, you know, of separating. It's a breakneck Monday morning, and I can take it slow. Pour cream into my coffee, fresh from off the stove. I replay my favorite saddest song to remember how it Well, that's that's kind of kind of uh, ironic that you would mention Rose Cousins because I just saw her for the first time in in uh, Natick, Massachusetts, uh, oh, really? in May. Yeah, she's. I, I understand she divides her time between uh, Halifax now and 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 Mass. She spent six months of the year in Massachusetts and six months in in Halifax is what she she was saying. But it was it was hilarious because here I am in Natick, Massachusetts <laughs> and the crowd was completely Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people use Canadians when Great Big C used to tour. People used to say that it was mostly the crowd would be Canadians when they're across the border. Um, yeah. Well, Rose Cousins is definitely Prince Edward Island, so if she didn't say that, we're going to have to find out what's going on. Okay, yeah, that's one, funny. One more, I mean, honestly, Hoxley Workman, who's a Canadian genius. Yes. I love piano, yes. I love piano Blink. Let's lie and say that it's all right, it's all right. Let's lie and say that Still stuck trying I'm getting too nervous I'm not 
It's got this upbeat right. sort of riff at the beginning. Yep. And it's actually about a breakup. But if yep. you don't know that, like if you don't really pay attention, it's got some real happy uh, phrases in it. But it is about yep. a breakup. Yep. The one I want to leave you with is just the incredibly gorgeous I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt. play that in my my lobby but i certainly i just love that song and and i love her version of it you know it's it's gorgeous yes so i know we don't need to pay we don't need to pay so can to have you sing your original song though do we do not no i actually uh i uh i have the first check i ever got from so can was for 56 dollars for all the cbc plays i've had of my songs <laughs> and that was the last check i got from so can <laughs> okay so so if we need to pay 56 dollars to play some of these things will you donate it back like to the oh, podcast y- 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 no no that that would be for all of the plays of all of my songs ever <laughs> on cbc <laughs> 56 dollars <laughs> Greg, we had a we had an idea when you told me. Um, I mean, I've listened to your music. Um, I've listened to your CDs. I love your original stuff. But this song in particular touches home to the work that we do and the people that we that we meet in our yeah. in our day jobs. So yeah. I would love for you to play it, and we'll see how it sounds. And if sure. we have to if we have to fix the playback, we will, because sure. I really want everyone to know what this means. I think that the backstory is probably pretty helpful here. Um, my niece, Brittany, you know, she's she's my niece by marriage. And uh, her parents had uh, one of those classic divorces that you and I have worked so hard to try to, to move people away from. And Brittany, um, I think we would probably describe her now as, as the, the hero child. Uh, so this song's about her. Don't you listen. To those voices from the kitchen 
climb inside now Help me through the night And we'll pretend We're on a mission But we'll whisper because We're behind enemy lines It's part of me and it's part of you Fall us around like a bad tattoo I'm wondering if they ever knew Would they be surprised How could we have ever guessed They turned forgiveness into regret Why would they have ever let us take sides Expected to clean up their mess. 
How could they have ever let us take sides? Whoa, 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 whoa. Wow, Greg, it's it's really something to bring yourself to the work you do at the office. But that song really brings together the person you're trying to be both at work and in your band and in your life. So I really appreciate you bringing that to this podcast. Well, thanks, Jacinta. And it, and it is, uh, you know, it's, it's such an awesome release for me in terms of songwriting, in terms of dealing with some of the stuff that... Uh, the vicarious trauma that you made you made reference to earlier, yeah. and and the fact that 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 we need an outlet to deal with the emotions that we deal with on a day to day basis. And for me, I'm I'm really blessed and fortunate to be to have music as as that outlet for me. All right, listeners, if you want to hear more, check out Say Uncle. They have their own website and Facebook page. And if you are more interested in Greg professionally, sort of his day job, that would be Evans Family Law in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Thanks, my friend, for joining me today. Awesome, Jacinta. Really, it's been a pleasure. And anytime. Yeah. We can talk music anytime. I think this is going to become an annual or a, maybe a biannual thing. I think we need help with our office playlist. So let's get on it. Yeah, let's do that. That'd be awesome. All right. Thanks, my friends. You bet. You bet.